It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. The Bible's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, So, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'd really, we'll see how this goes, Uh, we'd like to wrap up at least this part of the series, uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 10. We've been talking about uh, Paul's exhortation to the Corinthian church, and basically his warning saying, just because you feel like God is stirring your life, and just because there is some movement of God in your midst, that doesn't make you immune from sin and idolatry. Therefore, you need to be on guard. You need to be watchful against these schemes of the enemy. And again, we've been walking through verses 1 down through verse 14. And really, we could go through the end of the chapter uh, because Paul kind of comes out of where we're heading today and talks even more about the fact that when you engage in idolatry, it's a uh, participation participation, or whatever that word is, uh, in the demonic. And so therefore, Paul says this is, this is not just a casual thing of saying, hey, don't, don't do idle stuff. He's saying there is a great severity in idolatry, that it's not just a physical thing that we are doing. It is a spiritual dynamic that you're engaging with that affects the physical and the spiritual. Uh, so we need to take this very seriously. Uh, just for the sake of review, uh, Paul's talked about the fact, again, that, that God has provided everything that Israel needed in the wilderness. And so, the, you know, the fire by night, the cloud by day, the manna uh, in the, the water from the rock, the shoes that, that don't wear out, God was supplying that which they needed in the wilderness. And again, we had a short list uh, that Paul gives us from the passage, stuff like direction, shelter, protection, deliverance, spiritual headship, blessing, nourishment, testing, instruction, provision, and life. That's an incredible list. And you begin to realize that, okay, here is God supplying everything that Israel needed. And Paul says, do you realize that Jesus has supplied everything that you need? And yet, what was Israel prone to? Well, Israel was prone to idolatry. And as you look at their example then, uh, you see Paul using the illustration of the golden calf, which is all about this idea of impatience. He talks about sexual, sexual immorality about testing Christ, which is that idea of pushing the boundaries, how much can I get away with, how far is too far, it's all that kind of stuff, and then this idea of complaining. And so he's using this, and again, that's not the only signs of idolatry, but those are some great tests for our soul to say, if I'm participating in any of these kind of things, if if I'm participating or if I have the attitude of impatience or complaining or I'm engaging in sexual immorality or I'm testing the boundaries of what I can do as a Christian— Paul says that is a good sign that I'm engaging in idolatry. And so he's using the illustration of of Israel in the life of the Corinthian church saying, you guys need to be aware. You guys need to be on guard. And the same thing's true about our modern uh, modern church day. Uh, We looked at this last time, uh, and we keep bringing this up, but idolatry, the, the way I've been defining idolatry is looking to anyone or anything besides Jesus to meet my needs. And again, and we keep coming back to this, but anytime I turn to anything, even if it's good stuff, even if it is spiritual stuff, the the moment I turn my gaze upon anything but Christ and put that as the center, that as the preeminence, that as the focal point of my life, that's idolatry. And Jesus and Jesus alone is to have that position uh, in our lives. 
Uh, last time we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And let me just read it afresh. Paul says this, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. And it is such a convicting passage because it is so easy, like the Corinthian church, to see an example before us and be like, yeah, 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 but I'm okay. Yeah, 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 but I don't have those issues. Yeah, they may have had that problem, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm going to church. I'm doing the right things. I'm checking things off my list. I got a spiritual movement. Woo, went to Ellerslie. Yay. So I'm fine. <clears throat> and Paul's like, <clears throat> do you realize that that doesn't make you immune to idolatry that doesn't keep you from sin that our spiritual structures around us are actually insufficient to keep us from sin which is actually a sad thought you know you, know, you think that if i went to the right church and did all the right activities and, and and i put all these regulations and rules and disciplines in my life then that should solve my problem and i should no longer have any issues but that's not true because that's not the solution there's only one solution which we're going to get into. And the reality is, is the moment that I try in and of myself to create an establishment of success or a spiritual reality of life within myself, I'm destined for a fall. Because Christianity is not based on independence. Christianity is not based on what I can pull off and what I can do and, and my gumption and my discipline and my talent and my denomination and my whatever it may be for you. That's not Christianity. It's not that those things are bad, but that's not the reality of, of Christianity. The reality of Christianity is Christ. And he must have the focal point. He must be at the center. He must be preeminent. And so anytime that we look within ourselves and we set ourselves up saying, wow, look how good I'm doing. Man, I have a lot of spiritual success right now. Wow, God, I actually don't even need you. I, in fact, let's build a statue unto me. Because I'm a great example of true godly spirituality. Paul says when you have that attitude, when you think you're immune, when you are not embracing the reality of Christ in your life, you're actually standing on shaky sand or a shaky foothold, and there's a good chance that you are going to fall. Now, do you have to fall? No. We have victory. We have triumph. We have, tr we have the reality and the fullness of Christ. <clears throat> but the solution to idolatry and sin in our life is not you. And it's not your talent. And it's not your wisdom. And it's not your discipline. And it's not all the, 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 the structure that you have built around yourself to keep you from sin. There is one thing that can keep you from sin. There is one thing that can give you victory and triumph. Uh, it's interesting, as, as you look at this idea, do you realize none of us are immune from temptation? In fact, that's the whole heart of what Paul is saying in the passage. But here's the truth of this. This is so phenomenal. There is not just salvation from idolatry. There is a Savior that will keep you from idolatry. And his name even means salvation. Because the name Jesus is Jehovah saves. Jehovah is my salvation. So as you look at what Paul is saying here in, in the flow of this, 
here's Israel has a great movement of God, but they have fallen into idolatry. And then he turns to Corinth, and Paul says, Corinthians, don't think that you are somehow different than the old Israelites because they had a movement of God, and yet they fell. And when you were looking at what you guys are doing in the body of Christ, you guys are prone to this. And you have set yourself up in spiritual pride saying, wow, I, I have the wisdom, I have the information, I have, I have the stuff. Paul says, take heed. And then he comes into the passage I want to look at this morning, which may be, <clears throat> this may be one of the most popular passages when it comes to sin and temptation. So I, I know you know this passage, but, but look at this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Uh, that is such a famous passage when it comes to sin and temptation and trials. And in fact, if you're ever in like those like accountability groups, this is one of those passages that are in the short list of, these are ones you need to memorize. And usually, this is on the list. Isn't it interesting that this passage is in the context of idolatry? And yes, it does deal with sin, and there are still the principles of temptation and sin contained therein. But the context of this passage is, is not whatever you may think it is in the sense of like, oh yeah, this, this is going to keep me from all my addictions and problems and habits. The context of this, though those are, would be included, the context of this is idolatry. Paul says, don't engage in idolatry. So let me give you the solution, Paul says. And he gives us this passage. Now it is important to note, and I've highlighted them for you, there are three words, the, the words tempt or temptation found in the passage. And I find that interesting because it's almost like Paul is saying, look, this is common to man. This is normal. You will be tempted. So to think that somehow you've come to a point in your spiritual life where you are no longer temptable, that's spiritual pride. So you need to be on guard. Take heed. Now, you don't have to give in to the temptation. There's, there's no reason temptation needs to push you around. But the reality is, is you will be tempted guys awake <laughs> you're either like oh no that's not good news uh, or you're asleep so I, I, again it's interesting look at these words for temp temptation no temptation has overtaken you that word for overtaken i love this it's lambano it means to grasp take hold of take effect seize take by violence so here's the concept it's like temptation is waiting in ambush to jump out and overtake you. Do you realize that temptation is always seeking an opportunity to overtake you, to seize you, to grab a hold of you, to, to pull you off into its destructive snare? Now, you don't have to give into it, but do you realize that that is the goal of temptation? That temptation is laying these traps, it's laying in ambush waiting to come and overpower you and take you and seize you and haul you off into sin. And you need to be on guard. You need to be aware of the fact that temptation 
will come. Uh, I've been quoting several times the last several messages uh, by a, a friend and mentor uh, uh, called John Juman, and he wrote a little book on 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that I've just been really delighted in. I just want to give you a couple more quotes uh, in this session to wrap things up, but this is what he says on this concept. He says, the war is always ongoing. The enemy will always be waiting in the bush. The danger is always there, for we are in a battle not of flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians 6.12. We must never forget that we are in battle. But as we will see shortly, there is no need to fear because the provision of God in Jesus Christ, he shall overcome. Do you realize that temptation is common? That, that is even what Paul says in the passage. He says, no, temptation shall overtake you, which is common to men. That this temptation thing, it should not be a surprise to us. Here's an interesting thought. Do you realize that temptation is not sin? That when you're tempted, that, that's not sin. That's temptation to sin. Is that making any sense? Temptation is the waiting in ambush, waiting to, waiting to seize you, to drag you off into sin. So the fact that you're being tempted is not the issue. The issue is what do you do with the temptation? Because you can endure, you can be victorious, you can be successful against the temptation and walk in victory and triumph. Or you can give yourself over to temptation and let it drag you in through its noose into the pit of hell into sin. That is an option for you if you want to engage in it. But you don't have to sin. And it's an interesting idea. Let me read you Hebrews 4.15. Speaking of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. A couple of interesting points in the passage. Jesus was tempted. So do you realize that to presume that somehow you can come to a point spiritually where you will never be tempted, you're actually trying to come to a place that even Jesus never had because he was tempted. And yet the great message of this passage is that Jesus, though he was tempted, never sinned. And I know you could look at the passage and be like, yeah, but he's Jesus. Right. Right. And he now lives inside of you through his spirit. So wouldn't it make sense then if, if he can endure temptation and have victory and triumph over it, and now he lives inside of you through his spirit, don't you think that's what he wants to do inside of your life? Paul says that you are being conformed to Jesus, being conformed to his likeness, meaning his life is being formed within you. You do not have to give in to sin. You do not have to be pushed around by the junk of the world. You do not have to be the play toy of the enemy. You do not have to keep living with those giants of your soul. You don't have to keep giving in to those same habits and addictions that have always ruled your life. Please contain your excitement and stay seated. But that is incredible, isn't it? And Jesus isn't the only one. You are not some special case that has to be pushed around forever by your sin. You have the God of the universe on your side, living inside of you. And he wants to bring forth triumph and victory in you. And if Jesus, 
who was tempted in every way that we are, could walk in victory and triumph? Do you realize that you can too? Because you have him inside of you. So the fact that you're being tempted is not the issue. You should expect the temptation. You are in a battle. Well, how long is the battle going to go on? Until you're dead. So just never lay down your sword. Expect to deal with battle stuff. And if you are ready for a battle, if you're always on guard for a battle, then you are ready when the temptation comes. And realize that just because temptation comes in your life doesn't mean you have to give into it. Many of us have so lived in a perpetual I always give in attitude that when temptation shows up, we don't even heed it anymore. We just go, sure, that's a great idea. Sure, I'll follow you. And we just fall smack dab in the middle of the mud. We we put that noose around our neck and, and just hand it over to sin and say, do whatever you want with me. And we forget that, okay, while I may be tempted, and though I am temptable, I can actually stand triumphant in Jesus Christ. That's phenomenal. Uh, here's another concept, if you will. God doesn't remove the temptation from your life, but He will deliver you in the midst of it. That is such a phenomenal concept. See, I, I shouldn't expect to never be tempted again. Well, I'm a Christian. I'll never, I'll never have to be tempted again. <laughs> what are you talking about? Jesus was God, and he was tempted. So don't presume you will never be tempted again. You will be tempted again. But do you realize God's not going to remove the temptation from you? But in the midst of that temptation, he will give you triumph. He will let you stand strong. Or as we're going to look at, he will make a way of escape. This is so phenomenal. Uh, Here's another quote. Why then even bring up the reality of the temptation? And here's the conclusion. It is crucial to highlight because it is imperative for us to realize the war in which we exist in this world. Only a fool of a soldier would forget or take lightly the fact that he is in a war, disregarding the danger from the enemy around him. There There is a message of warning that desperately must be conveyed to the Corinthians. The arrogant and casual attitude of the Corinthians toward spiritual matters, and especially toward matters of spiritual risk, has put them, and especially the weaker ones among them, in spiritual peril. This this passage is a wake-up call to them. Wake up, Corinthians! It is a wake-up call to me as well. Only when the peril of idolatry is recognized can we realize the salvation from it in Jesus Christ. So you have to understand Temptation is inevitable. You will be tempted. And don't have the spiritual arrogance and pride to presume that you are the one person that has succeeded beyond Jesus to never be tempted again. Take heed, lest you fall. Now, in the passage, this is so incredible. In the passage, Paul gives us the solution, his conclusion to how do you deal with idolatry? And here's a statement. God is faithful. God is faithful. Listen to this again. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted 
beyond what you are able. But when the temptation, but with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. God is faithful. Okay, maybe you're not hearing me. God is faithful. God is faithful. You guys awake? You're like, yeah, but how does that save me from idolatry? That's the solution, folks. God is faithful. Do you realize God has always been faithful? There has never been a moment ever in all eternity. Eternity past, eternity present, where God wasn't or will not be faithful. He is always, 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 always faithful. Always faithful. In fact, one of Jesus' names is that he is the faithful and true. He is the amen. He's faithful. Please stay seated. Listen to these. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who calls you. He will also bring it to pass. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Hebrews 2.17-18 Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. It's awesome. Well, listen to, just, let's give you, this is all over the Old Testament, but let me just give you two of these. Deuteronomy 7.9, I love this passage. Moses says, know therefore, you should know this, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness, is that word hesed? He keeps his covenant and his hesed to a thousand generations with those who love him and those who keep his commandments. God cannot deny himself. He is faithful. Here's Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock, speaking of God, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Paul says, do you know what our hope is? Do do you realize that in the middle of any temptation, in the hostility of idolatry and sin of this world, there is great hope and comfort because there there is a solution What is my solution? God is faithful. Well, how is God faithful? Paul gives us two things in the passage. Look at this. Number one, he says you will not be tempted beyond what you are able. God won't allow it. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 again. God is faithful who will not allow. Pause. Do you hear that? God is faithful. He always comes through. He's a God of provision. He can't lie. What he says always happens. And that God who has always been faithful won't allow something. Uh, Paul has just given an illustration of God providing everything in the wilderness to the Israelites. Here is God. He provided shelter and protection and deliverance and life and food and and the same God think about this the same God who provided everything to the Israelites 
The, the same God who opened up the Red Sea in the midst of the enemy. I mean, the same God who just supplied and supplied and supplied and proved himself faithful over and over and over and over again. He has declared, he will not allow something. And folks, it's not that hard for him not to allow. He is God. So if he says, stop, then it can go no further. Well, you don't understand the temptations of my life. These things are intense. These things are massive. These things are huge. I'm about to be overcome. What are you talking about? Because God is faithful. And yes, he will allow the temptation in your life, but he will not allow that temptation to overcome you. He will not allow that temptation to be more than you are able to bear. He will not allow that temptation to be more than what you can handle. He is in so doing. He's strengthening your faith. In so doing, he is strengthening your spiritual muscle so that you can endure more and more. He's growing you. If you've ever been to the gym, I got really frustrated the first time I went. Because I went, I went to the bench press and, and I grabbed the bar and it was difficult. You know, and, but you know, after about three weeks, I could do it. And I was doing fine. And then some dumb trainer comes up and says, <clears throat> we need to add more weight. I said, no, I'm doing just fine. I, I am able to endure. He goes, I know, but you're never going to grow. And so he adds five pounds on each side. And oh, it's horrible, miserable. Are you kidding me? I'm sitting there and I'm now struggling. I'm pulling. But after a few weeks, I'm doing fine. And that same dumb trainer shows up and just like, we need to add more weight. I'm like, no, stop it. He's like, yeah, but you're not going to grow. I said, I'm fine. I can do it now. He's like, I know, but he puts more weight on. He puts more weight on. Do you realize that God, God will allow the temptation in your life. But if all you can do is bench press 50 pounds, he's not going to allow a 100-pound temptation to overtake you. He'll let you do 50 pounds. But in so doing, he's exercising your spiritual muscle. And next time, guess what? You can actually ha- you can handle a 55-pound temptation. Do you realize that you are actually supposed to grow up spiritually? And one of the ways that God will actually leverage and, and do that in your life is that he'll actually use that which the enemy has, me- has meant for destruction. What the enemy means to cause chaos in your life, he's actually going to leverage that and use it as training for your soul. But God will not allow more weight to be put on you than you can than you can carry. So you can trust that whatever temptation you are facing, whatever is that whatever it is that you're going through, you can have victory. Victory is always a possibility. And in Christ it is always a guarantee. If you'll walk in it. God is faithful. The second thing that Paul says in the passage is not just that he, you won't be tempted beyond what you're able, but it says that a way of escape will be provided. That word provided or make uh, probably is my second favorite Greek word. Uh, My favorite is probably gnosko. I really like that word. But I really, really like this word. Uh, It's the Greek word poieo. And it shows up all over, all over the New Testament. This thing is just, it goes crazy. Poieo, 
uh, is often translated do, like to do something, like did, done, doing, you know, I'm doing something, or to make. Uh, it's interesting when, when you look at this word poieo, to do something, there's another word in the Greek that's also translated to do, and it's the Greek word prazo. And so, so that you could actually understand this word, let me explain the difference between the two of them. The word prazo, again, is translated do, did, or done, but it's doing something out of obligation, out of duty, out of necessity. And if you want a good visual image of this, think of like painting a fence or painting a barn. <clears throat> I don't know if you ever had that experience where someone says, okay, we need to whitewash or, you know, we need to put a new coat on something. And so they give you a bucket of paint. Remember Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn stuff, right? Gives you a bucket of paint, gives you the brush, and all you see is this endless row of fence posts. Or you see this massive barn. And so you, you dip your paintbrush in the bucket, and you just start going, and you start going. And after about five minutes, you're like, oh, how much longer? And you're just, you're just going through, and now you did it. But how did you do it? You prazoed it. Poyeo is the same concept, did, do, or done, but it creates an entirely different picture. Prazo is doing it because of duty and obligation. Poyeo is doing something oh, because it's just within you. If you need a visual, think of an artist. Have you ever met an artist? A creative person? Ah, they... The alarm goes off in the morning, they hit snooze. Mid-afternoon arrives, they get out of bed, <sighs> stretch a little bit, go down to the studio, pull back the curtains, right, floor to ceiling, windows, and they, they let the light in, and they, they get their canvas up, and they, they get all the colors ready, and they put, get their paints, and got, got the brushes, and got this a, a huge canvas, and they just, oh, what's within the depths of my soul today? And they just put some colors in and whoa, masterpiece. You know what I'm talking about? Now, you can walk up to an artist and say, hey, could you teach me how to do that? And all of them will always say, no, I can't teach that. How, how do you teach this? Like, we can teach you how to paint by, paint by numbers, but we can't teach this. Because this is the expression of, of the depth of the inside stuff. Is that making any sense? Think about this. This, this, is, this was so crazy to me. God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. And he's not just faithful to not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But in the midst of that temptation, think how crazy this is. In the midst of that temptation, God is going to provide. He is going to make. He is going to do something. What is he going to do? Give you a wave and escape. Well, how's he going to get that done? We'll tell you what. God has a book called Way of Escapes. Five easy solutions out of any temptation. And when you're in the middle of a temptation, he opens up his book and he goes, well, let's see, which one should I give you today? Uh, all right, number three. That's not how God does it, folks. Do you know, think how crazy this is. Do you know what God does in the midst of your temptation? Do you, do you realize what God is doing? God, from the depths of who he is, he is a creative God. From the depths of who he is, 
He looks at your temptation and looks at your situation and goes, Woo! What am I going to do this time? And out of the creative expression of his life, he uniquely gives you a way of escape for that moment. He paints a canvas, a one-of-a-kind masterpiece to get you out of that temptation. Isn't that an an incredible thought? That he doesn't have like a rubber stamp. He's like, all right, pass, 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 wave escape, wave escape. That's not what God's doing. God wants to interact with you. God wants to engage with you. God wants to infiltrate your life in that moment. And in the middle of your temptation, no matter how intense it may feel like, God says, oh, I've got a creative option from this time. Woo, you want to see what we can do on this one? I, I got something special wrapped up in this one. I, I mean, I just painted something. This is so phenomenal. Never going to do this one again. You want, you, want, you want to participate in this one? And Oh, I'll give you freedom. And he does that every single time. Have you ever noticed sunrises? I, we have some of the best sunrises and sunsets in Colorado. I love our sunrises and sunsets, if you're awake for them. If you see a sunrise and sunset, do you realize you will never, ever, ever see another one just like that? I, I, I don't even know what to do with that. I'll get up early in the morning, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll walk past the window. I'm like, oh, it's time, and I'm looking out the window. And the colors are just vibrant and they're sparking and it's just like, wow, wow, wow. And after about 10 minutes, it's done. And I'm like, wow, God, that was so phenomenal. Here you are, the artist of all artists, the creator of all things. And you took 10 minutes this morning to take your paintbrush and just across the sky, just go, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're like, isn't that incredible? Erase. And if you missed it, you missed it. And he says, I'm never doing that one again. And tomorrow, from the very depths of who I am, by the way, Genesis 1-1, God, if you look up at the Greek, it says that in the beginning, God poyaoed the world. That this wasn't a have-to, this wasn't a barn painting kind of thing, this wasn't an, uh, an arm twist, this wasn't duty, this was a delight, folks. From the creative expression of his being, he just, something bubbled up within him, he just grabbed him and just says, oh, I've never done one like this before. And every single morning, every single evening, he's giving a, he's painting that reality on the skies. And he's saying, I am a creative God, and, I, and I'm not going to do the same thing twice. And, and I, I, I just want to, could you imagine if that, you allowed that reality to happen in your life in every temptation? Because God is faithful. And when you realize that God is faithful, not only is he not going to put more on you than you can hold, But in the midst of your temptation, he's not going to remove that temptation. But in the midst of that temptation, in the middle of that whole thing, do you know what he's going to do? He is going to make a way of escape. He is going to have this brilliant, from the depths of his being, creative solution to get you out of that. And he'll never do that one again. That's incredible. Isn't it interesting? You look at healing. How does God heal blind eyes? There's not a formula. Jesus did it in so many different ways. He spoke it, touched it, spit it. I mean, he just, he just was kept doing different things. And you're like, well, what? Well, how do I heal blind eyes? What's the formula? There's no formula. You've got to trust. Wouldn't it be neat if there's no formula for your temptation? 
well, this is how I've always gotten out of temptation. What if what he's wanting from you is not to follow a one, two, three, oh, get out free. What if what he wants from you is to embrace him in trust, in faith of his faithfulness to get you out and to walk in obedience to that reality? See, this is not God providing something saying, uh, it's over there, yeah, just pick it up if you can find it and you might be able to, you might be able to sneak out. It's a secret trap door if you know the combination. That's not what God does. In the middle of your temptation, he is inviting you into a greater place of intimacy and relationship so that he can free you. But you've got to press into the relationship. Which is a neat idea when you look at this idea of the way of escape. Which means a way out, you know, a means of escape, an endpoint of duration, an outcome. Here's what's interesting. In the classical Greek, like of Homer and stuff, this word would sometimes be used for disembarking a ship. Like getting off a ship. So if you need a mental image, here, here you go. Temptation has come knocking and has grabbed you and it's dragging you out to sea. You are now on a boat in the middle of the sea. And you're being pulled off in the ocean. And you're looking around saying, I don't have any solutions. It's now too far to swim and I, I have no options. And, and what am I going to do? I, I, and what we've always typically done is we just say, all right, well, I guess I'm on the boat. I might as well enjoy the cruise. And so we just give in to the sin. But do you realize that God has actually made a solution in the midst of that? He says, I am faithful. And I will allow you. I'm going to give an opportunity. I've got a creative solution to get you off that boat that's dragging you off into the sea. Well, how are we going to do it? God says, just jump. And as you jump, you realize you're in a lifeboat that has a motor that flings you back onto the land. Do you realize there's always a solution? He always provides a means to disembark from your temptation. He doesn't remove the temptation. He wants to give you victory in the midst of the temptation. And in so doing, he wants to reveal his faithfulness and his goodness and his mercy to you, his overwhelming power that you do not have to be pushed around by sin. There is victory. There is triumph. You can be more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus if you'll walk in it. Uh, here's what Juman says. He says, Jesus is my escape. I love that. He is my salvation from idolatry and everything else. If I allow my heart to be opened and if I will respond to him, he will be my complete provision and will make a way for me in the midst of any temptation. He will be my salvation, my strength, my victory, my wholeness, my complete provision for every need and the only answer I ever really require. He is the way to safety and he is the safety. He is the way to life and he is life itself. In no area or concern of my life is this more applicable than with idolatry. There is no need to look to anyone or anything else for the needs of my life. He is my Savior and my provision. Do you realize that Jesus is your sole solution? It's not your wisdom. It's not your discipline. It's not your gumption. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. It's Jesus. He is your salvation. Yes, He is your big S salvation in terms of I'm a sinner, I need to be saved by grace through faith. Amen. But once you are saved, 
you still need a Savior. And I need a Savior every moment of every single day of my life. That's not big as salvation. That, bam, God changes and saves my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I need that. But once you have salvation, I need moment by moment by moment by moment by moment salvation. And folks, he's still the Savior. He is still that solution. His name still means salvation. I am salvation. That's what his name means. Is it possible that we've been turning to all the wrong things to get out of our sin and idolatry? Has it been that you've been turning to some sort of formula in the midst of your temptation to say, okay, I, I don't have to do it, I don't have to do it, I don't have to do it. I just... What if there's an easier way? Embrace the God of the universe. Uh, here's, here's another great quote. Oh, here's a verse first. Uh, Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you hear that? You, in Christ, not on your own, but in Christ, are more than a conqueror. You know who a conqueror is? It's like Alexander the Great, Napoleon. Those were conquerors. They went in and conquered the known world. And Paul says, <clears throat> you, in Jesus, are not just a conqueror. You don't just have victory and triumph. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus. Which is why Paul gives the concluding statement in verse 14, Beloved, therefore, based on all of this, flee idolatry. Get out of it. Run. Why would you stay there? Why, why would you keep giving in? Why would you want to keep holding on to your giants and keep holding on to your addictions and keep holding on to your habits and keep holding to the stuff that keeps pounding your forehead? Flee it. Run from it. Well, what am I fleeing to? Jesus. I've given this illustration so many times, but it just so helped me. I, I, imagine this podium in front of us is temptation. As a Christian, there is never, ever a reason to fear temptation. There's not. I, I have to recognize that it's going to come. I have to recognize that it's going to be there. But there's no reason to fear it. Well, I've always given in. Something needs to change then. But here's the reality. Uh, imagine God's here, and I'm over here. If temptation gets in the middle of us, temptation puts pressure. So if God's over here, and I'm over here, and temptation's in the middle, it begins to put pressure. So what is it going to do? It's going to force me further away from Jesus, which is why I've always given in to sin. What if you got so tight with Jesus that temptation could not get between you and him? Is it possible, just ponder this, is it possible to be so tight with Jesus that when temptation shows up, here's God, here's me, here's temptation. Is it possible to get so tight with Jesus that when temptation shows up, it doesn't get between me and him? But because of my intimacy and because 
I am diligently seeking after him and because I'm pursuing him and because I'm delighting in him and because I'm just I'm hungering and thirsting and, re- and saturating and responding to the reality of his life in me, in me and I am in Christ and he is in me and, and the fullness of the New Testament is, is coming true in my life. By the way, that's available to you. So if it's possible that I could be like that with Jesus and temptation shows up, it's going to put pressure. And wouldn't it be neat if every time temptation showed up in your life, it just drove you closer and closer to Jesus. See, there's no reason to fear temptation as long as temptation has its proper place. You don't have to give in to temptation. You don't have to be pushed around by sin. You don't have to be the play toy of the enemy. But when temptation shows up, if you give in to sin, it's because it's gotten in the middle of you and Jesus. So what if you go after the solution? What if you go after Jesus? What if you would delight in him? What if he, what, he, what if he really did become your life? What if he became the throb of your being? What, what if he became the center of your existence? See, see what if this wasn't just a, well, that's, that's a great concept. What if this is the reality of Christianity? And you begin to realize that you, in and of yourself, cannot do it outside of him. And every time temptation showed up in your life, you just went, whoa, thank you, Jesus, I'm being tempted. Because that just... That means i got to get tighter with you. That means I have to trust you more. That means I'm going to see your faithfulness. This is going to be good. Woo, how are you going to get me out of this one, Lord? Boy, if we all started acting like that, I think we might have to be called Christians. Wouldn't we? Don't be so arrogant. Don't be so prideful to think that temptation won't come in your life. Do not be so prideful to think that you in and of yourself can withstand temptation. You can't. That's impossible. You aren't nor will ever be strong enough. But there is a solution. It's Jesus. And what if we so embraced him that when temptation showed up in our life, we began to realize that he is faithful. He will not put more on our plates. He will not allow temptation to so overpower us that we are hopeless. And in every single temptation, God wants to be creative and give you a means of escape. He wants you to disembark that thing called temptation and find safety in life. How's it going to take place? You've got to get tight with him. He is our only hope. He is our only solution. Let me just give you one final quote. I really loved what this said. Think about this. There is nothing in our lives in which Jesus cannot bring victory today. There is no problem too great and no temptation too strong. That is the foolishness of idolatry. We can be tempted to believe that he is not able or that he is too far away. And we end up looking to someone or something else to be the savior of our situation. We give our hearts and our lives in worship to an idol, whether it be a person or a thing, only to be broken by their failure. Let us flee from idolatry. Jesus is not far, for he has come to live within us by his spirit. He is able and complete in his sufficiency for everything in my life. He is my safety and he is the life. If I will respond to him today right where I am and at all costs, 
I will be exactly where I need to be, and he will show me that he is all I really need. He's the solution, folks. Not a checklist. Not your daily discipline. It's not that those are bad. But the solution is him. Would you go after him? Would you invite him into every arena of your life? When when temptation shows up in your life, would you quit battling it on your own and say, Lord, I need you in this moment. So Lord, I'm clinging to you. I thank you that I already have the victory in Christ Jesus. So Lord, show me the way out and I am ready to walk this thing. You can walk in victory. But you've got to get tight with Jesus. And idolatry, sin, and temptation doesn't have to rule your life anymore. Jesus can. We need that. Let's pray. Lord, the overwhelming reality is we need you. We don't need something from you. We need you. Lord, we don't just need a lifeboat. We we don't just need a key to the handcuffs. We need you. And Lord, I am so mind-boggled at the fact that you are so faithful. And it is so easy to, to gloss over that reality and nod our heads and be like, yes, 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 God's faithful, amen. But the reality is you are faithful. And you have promised. You have declared that there is nothing so great that you can't handle. That you you will not allow us to be overcome by, by temptation. That you and your creative, overwhelming just resource and ability and life wants to supply what I desperately need in the moment, every moment of my life. Or could I realize that this isn't a one, two, three, and I'll be scot-free? Lord, would you let me realize that this is a, wow, I, I get to trust you. Wow, I get to press into you. Wow, wow, I get to... Man, every time temptation shows up in my life, my spiritual life gets to grow. Because when I walk in obedience, and when I walk in faith, and when I walk in trust, and when I surrender myself to you, and when I respond to your reality in my life, I, I can walk in freedom and victory and triumph. That in you, I am more than a conqueror. I don't have to be pushed around by sin. I don't have to be the play toy of the enemy any longer. The giants of my soul can die. And Lord, I understand that doesn't mean I'll never be tempted again. But Lord, it does mean you will give deliverance in every single temptation I face. So Lord, I just invite you in, in your creative solution of your life to be what I need in this moment. And whatever temptations I face today, Lord, I I give you permission to just, would would you get me off this boat? And whatever creative way you want to do it, Lord, will you just make it so clear? Would you enable me just to walk in obedience and faith and just keep my eyes and my gaze upon you and just experience life and what it means to overcome and be more than a conqueror? Lord, what a phenomenal reality. Lord, don't let us be so prideful to think 
that we don't need you. Lord, don't let us be so prideful to think that we can do it in and of ourselves. Lord, don't, don't let us think that we somehow arrived spiritually. Lord, Lord, don't let us think that somehow we are the finished, to the total product. Lord, somehow let us realize that we need you more and more. And personally, Jesus, I'm just desperate for you. Not, not from what I can get from you. I just want you. And Lord, could you and I get so tight oh, that there is no space between us for temptation to wiggle its way in. And when temptation shows up, Lord, let me actually get a cheeky smile on my face and excitement in my heart because this means, wow, my relationship with you can go up to a whole nother level. And I get to see how you're going to prove forth your faithfulness as you become the solution to my every need. Well, that's just amazing. Wow, we love you, Jesus. Uh, Lord, we want to worship you this morning. I don't want to sing. I don't, I don't want to go through the motions. I, I don't want to just go through a time of that's what we just, that's what we do. But Lord, in the midst of beholding you and realizing that you are the solution, could there just be something that would just bubble up from within me? And I don't want to sing. Lord, I want to worship you. For you are worthy. Worthy as a solution to my every need. We love you. We thank you in your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.